Welcome to the Vinyl Crawl. This is Alan. This is Matt. And I'm your host, and Matt's your co-host. That's right. I'm the bartender. And we are doing another beer and another album. And the beer we're drinking today is what, Matt? We have, from Deschutes in Oregon, uh, Black Butte 20th Birthday Reserve. 20th birthday reserve and it smells so good i haven't had a sip yet but what kind of beer is this as far as what style um, they have a, i guess it's a porter it's, i mean essentially. it's pretty dark but it does have a fair amount of carbonation to it it does it has a really nice head yeah um and it's, it smells uh, like candy it just <laughs> smells like molasses well and you have that uh pomegranate molasses with 50% aged in bourbon barrels with cocoa and cranberry. So I've got a really odd flavor profile. Yeah. That I'm getting out of this. And it's um it's molasses, it's heavy molasses. Yeah. And plantains. All right. Sounds like I should have a sip. Take a sip. See what you think. I know plantains is a weird thing to get yeah. out of a beer, but I get like a starchy plantain flavor. I can I get that. Have you ever have you ever had like fried plantains? They get kind of sweet when you it's like a Cuban thing. Like a right. lot of a lot of Cuban people use that as a dessert. Yeah. And it gets really sweet when you uh when you cook it, it caramelizes on top. And that's the flavor I get. Hmm. I get that in molasses when I'm... Gotcha. It'll be interesting when it warms up a little bit. So you you think warm might be better for it? Well, I always like it when you we, you pour it and I let it sit a few minutes. Take a sip and then as it kind of keeps getting warmer, yeah, it just kind of, you know takes on a different uh, presence. Well, to go with our interesting beer, we have... Uh, I think I'm feeling a little grape scent, a little hickory. Hickory? Yes. Oh, well, you're drinking wine. That's why. Yeah. It's Matt's wife, Kim, on the yeah. podcast. That's right. I mean, in the bar. Yeah. I mean, in the pub. Part of the pub Part of the crawl. pub. She contributes. Pub. Yeah. Yeah. I would like to say thanks to Paul Priest for this wonderful beer. Thanks, Paul. Yeah. We're enjoying it. Yes. It's, uh, <laughs> it is interesting. Much like the album we're about to talk about. Yes. The Beatles White Album. Right. Much like the other double album we talked about. Um, yeah. The only likeness being a, a double album. Double album. Yeah. <laughs> nothing else at all about the no, White Album. No. Has nothing. anything to do with Bruce Springsteen's The River. Um, what's your, what's your general consensus on, Actually, let me ask you this first. How did you first come to the White Album? Like, when when did you first hear the White Album? Uh, well, it, uh, it would have to be Revolution. I heard Revolution was the one song that I knew off the album. How old were you, you think, when you first heard that? Oh, probably 12, 10. So were your parents... Pretty big fans of yeah the Beatles. Uh, my dad had the Red and Blue album, right? That I listened to a lot. 
but he also had, you know, Let It Be. What did you prefer, the red or the blue? Which one did you? Um, I started with the red, and, you know, as a kid, you love all right. those songs. And then you hear the blue album, and you're like, ooh, what's this? You start getting into Penny Lane and yes. yep. Strawberry Fields and all those tracks. All that. All You Need Is Love. Yep. And so when I got into that type of stuff, you know, in my high school years, I had a cassette. Yeah. One side were Beatle tracks and the other side were Stones tracks. Oh, wow. Yeah. It was, and I called it Stones versus Beatles. <laughs> and it was my favorites yeah. of both bands. So you, it's a win-win. So, like, what were your favorite Stones tracks on there, just out of curiosity? Uh, Street Fighting Man, Midnight Rambler. So, Hot Rocks. <laughs> I, You're probably I, like, it was like Hot Rocks versus Red and Blue. I loved Hot Rocks. I mean, you talk about a compilation. Yeah. Uh, hands down, that's a great compilation. If somebody's like, man, I kind of like the Stones, you know, what should I listen to? Well, start with this. Start with Hot Rocks. Yeah. And if you like Hot Rocks, then I've got all these other albums you can go into. But yes, definitely start with Hot Rocks. Yeah. Yeah, I would 100% agree with that. Yeah. So. Well, I came into the White Album a little bit later. Yeah. Because my parents did not listen to the Beatles. They listened to the very, very early stuff. And then outside of that, all they listened to was country. Mm. So I got zero rock and roll influence growing up. Did you listen to the Come Together Beatles uh, country tribute? No. <laughs> um, but I did have the... Was there really a... I didn't Beatles? mean to... Sorry to throw that in there. Was that real? Did that really happen? <laughs> Unfortunately, oh. yeah. Um the closest I got to that was Uncommon Thread, a country tribute to the Eagles. I did have that album. Yeah. Which the Eagles were practically country to begin with, so it's kind of redundant having a yeah. country tribute to the Eagles. But I digress. That was as far Ooh. as... And I also had the Kiss My Ass compilation, which was right. the different artists doing Kiss songs. Man, the 90s were just like, yeah. let's do a tribute. Let's, let's do a tribute. Encomium, the tribute to Led Zeppelin. Oh, I forgot about there that. There were so many. Black Sabbath had a tribute album, oh. Nativity in Black. That was the Black Sabbath tribute album. Dedicated. Uh, I never heard Dedicated. Really? Yeah, no, I never seriously? heard that one. No, uh, serious, I never heard oh, that wow. one. Wow, that was one of the first, it seemed like. What would the cover look like? It had that the rose and the, the pond with the green trees around it. I, I don't recall that at all. Oh, wow. I should probably look that you up. You should probably is it look a good, it up. Is it a good it's tribute? A pretty good tribute. Jane's Addictions on that. Oh wow! Doing uh, Warf, Warfrat? No, maybe no. Perry Farrell can't sing Warfrat. What was it? what tune did they do? Wasn't Golden Road? I don't know. Uh, yeah, they need like a fast up tempo tune yeah. to do. No, it wasn't a fast one. I don't know. Dwight Yoakam's on there doing trucking. Oh, that's cool. The Indigo Girls, um, Dan Baird. It's a pretty interesting. Is that probably your favorite of all the tribute albums of the 90s? Oh, I don't know. I mean, I would default to it. Bruce Hornsby does a great Jack Straw on there, too. Oh, yeah. Okay. Which was before he joined the band, I think. I was a pretty big fan of the Zeppelin tribute album. Yeah. Because it had some really clever, it was pretty good tracks. It had STP doing Dancing Days. Yeah. It had Cheryl Crow doing Dermaka or Dire Maker, whatever the fuck you want to call yeah. it, which is pretty atrocious. But it had Blonde Melon doing Out on the Tiles, which mm. was amazing. Yeah. 
Yeah. Like it, it kind of flip flopped between amazing and terrible. Cause there was that Tori Amos, Robert Plant down by the seaside, oh, which God. is one of the worst things I've ever heard <laughs> of oh. ever. It's so slow and plodding and yeah. has no. It's a Tori Amos song. Yeah. Well, and she's just kind of she's just kind of you know wailing and caterwauling over the back of Robert Plant trying yeah. to do his thing. It's terrible. Yep, absolutely terrible. <laughs> um, but there are some really high points on that tribute. So that's that's my favorite tribute yeah. album of that Black Sabbath tribute wasn't bad either. It was pretty good. You know, Typo was on there doing a tribute. They did the song Black Sabbath. Yeah. and there's like blood drops in the background <laughs> while <laughs> Peter Steele is singing. <laughs> And during the chorus, it, he just keeps saying, like, I love Satan or some shit. I can't yeah. remember. And uh, I remember somebody doing a really good cover of Sabbath, Bloody Sabbath. I remember, like, maybe Pantera did Children of the Grave. It wasn't a bad cover album at all. For that time it came out, it yeah. had the heavy hitters on yeah. it. Yeah. It really did. Yeah. Maybe Sepultura might have been on there, too. I can't Probably. Remember. But I, I like that one a lot, too. Yeah. I digress. We're getting... Why has there never been a Beatles tribute album? Has there been one? Proper Beatles tribute album. Yeah. I well, I mean, outside of everybody like ripping off the Beatles every yeah. chance they get. I don't think there has been. I don't need I don't either. Maybe like licensing. Maybe Apple wouldn't give up anything. I don't know. There should be though. There really should. It'd I mean, be great. Uh, because honestly, I was looking at the White album when I was listening to it the other night. I bet I know where you're going with this. Keep going. <laughs> I enjoy a lot of these tunes by other artists. Uh-huh. Maybe an well, 80s dark wave artist? 80s dark wave. Well, I was going to say the Grateful Dead, but mm. um, there's also Susie and the Banshees. There we go. <laughs> That's where I thought you were headed. Yeah. Dear Prudence. Yeah. A, a great, killer ver- great version. Killer version. Great version. Knocked it out of the park. Um, but Bob Weir... Does a killer version of Blackbird, too. I'm sure he, I haven't heard his version of Blackbird. Yeah. So I can't speak to it. Forever and ever and ever, Crosby Stills Nash doing Blackbird well, is gonna true. That's gonna be. Yeah. yeah. It's just amazing. Yeah. They took the idea and made it something completely right. Yeah. I mean, it it could have been a CSNY song to begin with. To be honest, really like, it's could got have been. that same, you know, helplessly hoping kind of mm-hmm. feeling to it, but. I, yeah, I love that song. Yeah. So we were talking about earlier. We were talking about album openers, back in the USSR. Perfect. Damn. Yeah. Good. And one. the and the humor is so <laughs> good. This album has such good humor to it. Let's be honest. Like, there's so much tongue and cheekness in this album. Yeah. It's true. Like, it's a pain. It's almost like a Kinks album. It's got so much to it. Like Glass Onion, The Walrus with Paul. Like he's yeah, here's another clue for is, you. Like that's so right. good, and that's so John. Like yeah, you know, just saying a fuck you to all these conspiracy theorists yeah. guy. That, and I don't know if the people listen to the podcast know because that's kind of maybe not such a, maybe not such a common story now. Yeah, but probably. Yeah. At, at one point in time, people thought that Paul McCartney died after Sergeant Pepper. Yeah. Was it Sergeant Pepper? Um. It was either after Sgt. Pepper or before the recording it was of it. Because yesterday and today was the big yeah. tip-off to all the conspiracy right. theorists, the butcher cover. The yeah. whole idea was they got rid of the butcher cover because Paul's holding a severed head or something in his lap. 
And is that is that correct? Am I right there? I think so. Yeah. There's some kind of symbolism, and apparently Paul is actually dead, and they've replaced him with an imposter. And, and the band is putting little hints in there to like let everybody know that it's really not Paul. Grave, like <laughs> they're what three. The three members are looking down at the supposed grave on Sergeant Pepper's yeah. cover. Yeah. And Paul's eyes are looking somewhere else. He's looking away. And it's his grave. And Basically, people just like the Beatles way too much. Way too much. People, they started looking and into... And people think the Grateful Dead, deadheads are fanatic. Oh, no. It's nothing Hell compared no. to this. Yeah. But I just love the fact in Glass Onion, just to fuck with them even and more. The war, yeah. <laughs> John says, and the walrus is Paul. Paul. <laughs> here's another clue for you all. (laughs) Like he doesn't just say, he doesn't just say the walrus is Paul. He says, here's another clue for you just to make it even more on the nose. He was barefoot on Abbey road too. Yeah. He's the only one barefoot. No. So many conspiracy theories there. Crazy. But yeah, so the, so the album, one thing I really like about the album is the flow. The flow is really interesting and it kind of goes in and out of like, a heavy song to a slow song to a heavy song yeah. to a weird song to a slow song to a heavy like it it really bounces around a lot they don't they don't tie together a lot of like similar tempo songs at the same time well it might depict what the band was at the time yeah i mean they were starting to split off yeah and you could tell i mean i don't know i think one of the phrases i was ego tripping yeah i mean it's yeah. all over the place and it's almost like, you know, the first part of it is strong. Yeah. And then it starts to wane off. You think so? Well, I don't know. I mean, look at the last, the slow, Revolution 1, the slow version. Yeah. It's cool. It is cool. You know, but Honey Pie, Revolution number 9. Oh, yeah. Cry Baby Cry. I didn't that. finish my story about how I got into the White Album. Oh, yeah. I, I branched off. Let's go full circle. Come on um, back. So, so since my parents didn't listen to rock and roll at all. They listen to country. Yeah. My mom actually, um, I, I traded something. I don't know what I traded, but I traded something on the school bus for a bunch of cassette tapes. Um, Your lunch. Probably a porno mag or something if I had to guess. Gotcha. But... I traded for Metallica Kill 'em All, Black Sabbath Dehumanizer, <laughs> and Iron Maiden Fear of the Dark. That was the trade. And those lasted how many days in the house? Probably a week before mom caught wind that I had them. And she made me watch her toss them into the stove downstairs, the, the wood stove, and burned them. Just because, just because the cover art. Because all three of those are pretty like polarizing cover right. art. The Kill 'em yeah. All had the hatchet with blood. The Humanizer has like the guy getting his brain pulled out <laughs> by like a Grim Reaper thing. Um, and Fear of the Dark has like the gargoyle up in the tree. And, right. You know. See, I love those over the top covers. Of oh just man! Like, well, Sabbath had gone completely downhill. They were. Yeah. I think The Humanizer is looked upon as a good album now. I was gonna say it was probably best that your mom put that in the wood stove but <laughs> i think dio is on dehumanizer though oh is he I th- well think i take that back then it's not terrible fear of the dark is actually not terrible either i know that song fear of the dark made and played that a lot live yeah. like that was one of their main staples but the real winner yeah was kill them all kill them all was the winner yeah 
Yeah, I can't even tell you how amazing Whiplash was the first time I ever heard it, or Four Horsemen, or Hit the yeah. Lights, or Search and Destroy. Like, or Seeking is it Seek and Destroy or Seek and Destroy? Search seek and Destroy des- Stooges. Yeah, Seek and Destroy seek is and Metallica. Destroy. I can't tell you how amazing that was hearing there it. There was stuff nothing the else like it. Nothing when you heard it. When you're 10, 11 years old, and you hear that stuff, everything else goes out the window. Yep. So fast forward a few years to probably Christmas when I'm 12 or 13. I had heard, uh, where did I hear about it? I think I watched some sort of Charles Manson documentary (laughs) on like cable somewhere. Yeah. And they kept talking about the White Album. Did you say Christmas? Yeah. So, well, I saw it before Christmas, but when Christmas time came around, everybody was like, well, what are we going to get Alan? What are we going to get Alan? I gave him a list of these albums that I wanted. And Help, Beatles Help was an album because I was like, yeah. I was like, oh, I heard yesterday on like AM radio and I was like, that's a really neat song. Yeah. So I was like, what album's it on? Help. Okay. I want to hear Help. I never heard Help before the album. So I, I put Help and I put the White album. <laughs> oh my God. And then I put the first four Zeppelin albums. Yeah. So for Christmas that year, that's what I got. I got CDs from like all my aunts and uncles. Right. And I got, I got Help, I got White Album, and I got Zeppelin one through four. Wow. Score. My brain, like, I got them. I was so excited. I ran into like the living room. And my grandpa had yeah. a CD player, so popped in. Uh, I think I popped in Zeppelin one first. Yeah. And man. That was a meltdown. Wow. I mean, I'd never heard how many more times. Yeah. I'd never heard You Shook Me. I'd never heard Dazed and Confused. They didn't play that stuff on the radio. My parents didn't have the albums. I know. I And I wonder, like, you were so excited to hear it. And I know I can totally relate to that. The first time you hear that is so mind-blowing. And it, you nothing... just can't even describe it. It's hard to describe. It's but like, like your whole world changes. Yeah. Everything changes. Everything around you looks different. Does anybody else get excited about music like that these days, I wonder? Do you? I still do. In a um, different way? In a different way. I think what happens, and I heard Ben Gibbard from Death Cab for Cutie talk about this, and it really like resonated with me. I think what happens is the older you get and the more you hear, especially if you're just a, like we are, we, we soak up every bit of music we can get. Yeah, we always soak right. up and we catalog it. Well, and we listen to music probably 12 hours a day. Right. And the more you listen to it, the less exciting newer music becomes, yeah. unless it's something completely different. Right. Because you've always heard some piece of it before. And that's... That is the bane of being a music lover is that you've heard yeah. so many things you can't help but go, oh, this kind of sounds like this, or this kind of sounds like a take on this. You you can't help it yeah. because you've heard so many things. And that that's where I think the excitement... At the time, we'd never in our lives heard anything like that. Oh, shit. I remember the time, first time I heard Zeppelin four, or Metallica Ride the Lightning. Yeah. You know, it was like, whoa. Or like for me, like Ride the Lightning, was that more like childhood for you maybe? Like probably like 10, 11, 12? Yeah, it was, yeah, it was more like 13, 14. So for me, like 13 was, or not even 13. I, I came probably a little bit earlier, but like maybe 9 or 10 was like uh, Siamese Dream. 
Yeah. STP Core, Pearl Jam 10. All those albums were hitting when I was like at that age. And right. that was completely yeah. mind blowing. That Seattle scene. Yeah. So that was kind of my, which to the older guys, that was like, oh, this has all been done before. Like we've heard all yeah. this before. We've heard Iggy back in the seventies or we've heard all like they, it didn't, I mean, I think everybody felt like it was new, but they kind of, I think a lot of the older guys, especially like reviewers and stuff were like, oh, we've already heard the punk scene. We've already yeah. heard these things. It wasn't really mind blowing for me. The only things that were really mind blowing out of that, like Mother Love Bone, when yeah. I first heard Mother Love Bone, you know, was soon after when Apple came out, the EP. That was like, whoa. That's and what was shit. amazing with them was they were a bridge. They were a bridge yeah. of hair metal and grunge. Yep. It was that bridge. Yeah, that's true. And maybe even, you know, like Soundgarden's probably a little more mind Soundgarden, than, yeah. Yeah, here in Soundgarden. For Bad Motorfinger was a pretty huge... Yeah. Like, I remember Rusty Cage being a really... And, and Outshined. Outshined was huge. We'd never really heard anything with a guitar sound like that. Yeah. Like, so sludgy and, like, it's not metal... But it's not hard rock. It's like this this weird space yeah. in between where it's just like Faith No More. When I heard that, yeah, and Red Hot Chili Peppers. Oh yeah, for the first time in the mid '80s or whatever. Well, yeah, I mean, Blood like, Sugar Sex Magic damn. was the first time I'd ever heard funk music, ever. And it's being yeah. filtered through a bunch of white guys. <laughs> Granted, they had the blessing right. of George Clinton, but it's See, being filtered through white guys. I have I have Mo to thank. In the 80s yeah. when I worked at Record Bar. Right. Maggot brain, what the fuck? <laughs> Damn. Yeah. yeah. But, I, you know, like, I guess the last time, I still get my mind blown by music. Um, when when I heard Sissy Strut for the first time, <laughs> yeah. that's only been a few years ago. Oh, yeah? Really. Um, probably maybe four or five years ago, the first time I'd ever heard it. And that blew my damn mind. Yeah. And then that the first few meters albums blew my mind. Listen to those. It's all good shit. Yeah, I mean it's solid. So there's still yeah. I still find things that will that will excite me and, and really you know, like um even like that Courtney Barnett, that's pretty that's yeah. pretty exciting stuff. That kinda hit me out of left but field. We can't help but go, oh, it's just Dylan. Like we can't help but right. do it because it's that same vocal style and it's yeah. that same like even even back to some nineties females, like, oh, there's a little Liz Fair in there. Yeah. There's some, you know, I don't Well, know. and it's like, you know, how 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 mind blowing do you think it was for people to hear Pump It Up for the first time? Like Elvis Costello. Yeah. A lot of those people didn't realize like they're pretty much hearing subterranean homesick blues regurgitated with them with a faster tempo. True. Yeah. But and because he he admits that in his book, like he his yeah. vocal style oh, was subterranean yeah. homesick blues. The good Bam. thing is though, there's very there was very little, um, there was no social media or anything yeah. to alert right. you to, hey, this is just subterranean homesick blues. Right, like something years like years later, or something whatever. like blurred lines, you know. 15 years ago would have got away with it easy. It wouldn't yeah. have been a problem. Right. Wouldn't have been a problem at all. Yes. Nobody yeah. would have ever known. Shit, nobody still knows the damn Marvin Gaye song they lifted it from. Nobody knew that Marvin Gaye song. Right. Nobody did. Yeah. No. Except for a few people. 
<laughs> we uh, it's like we already have preconceived notions about the music we haven't yeah. even heard yet. Right. You know. We already think somebody stole it from somewhere else. Right, or we've heard that before. And so when we hear it, we're automatically jaded and we don't like it or it's like, "Eh, it's good, but" And and it's kind of in a way it's kind of bullshit because everything's stolen from everything. Everything, yeah. the best shit is stolen. Everything is. Yeah. It's just you know, when you make a one-to-one copy, it's bad. When you take it and make it your own, it's good. It always is. There was a funny story, though, like on the same vein of this with uh, with Pump It Up with Elvis Costello. He got to be pretty pretty good friends with Dylan Yeah. later on in his career. Mm-hmm. Um, but after Pump It Up, it kind of made it out. He went to a Dylan show, and I can't remember. Maybe it was the Knack doing my show. Somebody got accused of, like, stealing Pump It Up. Right. Right, of stealing that whole, the bass line and everything. So he goes to see Dylan after a show. It was, like, one of the first few times he'd met him. And Bob said... Yeah, I heard such and such was was taking pump it up and trying to make it their own. Really shitty when that happens, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> like straight, like stone face to him. <laughs> and he was like, oh, yeah, Bobby. yeah, 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 okay. All right. I get it. I yeah. see where you're going with this. But that's the thing. It all just, but getting back to the White Album, because we that's a good tangent. That's good talk. Oh, yeah. Getting back to the White Album, though. I don't think anything sounded like that when it came out. <laughs> no, I don't think it did. Um, <laughs> These guys, like, they were they were borderline, like, going Frank Zappa with this shit. Especially, like, when, like probably... Let me ask you this first before we go on that tangent. What's yeah. your favorite track on it? Uh, well, let's see. The 16-year-old in me loves Revolution. Revolution 1. Uh... Well, the fast version, whichever, wherever that is. Yeah, nine was the just looping yeah. crazy shit. Yeah. Oh, the fast the version. Fast the fast The rooftop, rooftop version? I don't know. The one that's on the blue album. Yeah, the rooftop version. So yeah. that was that was like the outtake. That's not on, yeah. That was only on, on 45 and on the blue album. Right. Yeah. I like the slow version too, but the fast, I do like ver- the slow fast version. version's better for um, sure. You know, and I was disappointed the first time I listened to it and saw it was a slow version because yes. I didn't know yeah. the first time. Um, I think after listening to this again, present day, I love Mother Nature's Son. Yeah, that's a such a beautiful tune. You know, if you if you listen to some of the bootlegs and the outtakes from the white white album sessions, they really honed that song in. They worked on it a lot. Yeah, There's a lot of takes for it. It's a great tune. Mm-hmm. Uh, Blackbird is good too. Um, you know, much like uh, Dancing in the Dark, I don't want to hear Birthday ever again. But we can thank the Beatles for giving everybody that YouTube grab that they can get and put on somebody's Facebook page yeah, it's when true. it's their birthday. It's true. I mean, and they had to, you know, Paul knew that when he wrote Birthday. They oh, had yeah. to have. Well. That was probably one of his swimming pool songs, as they used to call yeah. it. Every one of those songs making him a swimming pool. But it's awesome. That's yeah. great. Good for him that you can write that much like Springsteen could write. You, yeah. You write that perfect three-minute tune. So when I got. What's, yeah. I'm sorry, I'm, I'm interrupting you. No, go down your list. What's when, your favorites? Well, when I got those albums for Christmas. That's why White Album's so important to me. That and Help are always going to be my most important yeah. Beatles albums because they're the I first like, two I ever had. I like Help a lot. 
Yeah. Help has a really good songwriting on it. Yeah. You Gotta Hide Your Love Away is oh, yeah. quite possibly one of yeah. the finest, finest songs. Um, and what Act Naturally is on there. That's always is fun. Ticket to Ride on there? Ticket to Ride yeah, on I there. I love that tune. Yeah, yeah, and their version especially is so good. Yeah. It's just the drum sound on that and everything's so good. Um, but Help kind of felt like a really cool album. I listened to it a lot. But the White Album, I almost like studied. Like it was a book. You have to. You know, like I... It's not a quick read. Speaking of reading, I read... My cousin gave me a copy of that book, Helter Skelter, which was the... Um, can't think of the guy's name, um, but the dude that was the prosecution wrote a book after yeah. the case called Helter Skelter. Right. Really excellent read, but it got really into detail about the White Album, about hmm. about all the songs and, and what he made out of it. And that almost made like my 13-year-old brain... Like going to overdrive, of right? Like, Holy shit! This this album's spooky as hell. Like yeah. when you when you start, you know, reading what what Manson was telling his people about the songs, you're like, God damn, he was going he was going crazy on these things. Yeah. But you know, a little bit of acid and a little bit of weed can go a long way with these songs because they're really weird songs. Like, yeah. Like, uh, what's th- the? That's probably how they recorded some of them. Fucking wild honey pie. <laughs> yeah. What is that? <laughs> it's like it's just it's random like out of tune noises and them just like squalling and screaming it's the weirdest shit but then like you know piggies always thought was a cool song and then like when it got into the whole manson aspect with it it got so dark it became so dark and you know to the point of you know a million people even like trent reznor kind of got down that path with his song True. From Downward Spiral, yeah. which yep. was kind of the same homage to that because he bought the old Sharon Tate house and turned it into a recording studio. Right. Which he then sold later because he said it was too fucking spooky <laughs> to stay there. If it's too spooky that, for Trent. That's a very 90s thing, yeah. too. Like, right. I'm going to be so edgy, I'm going to buy Sharon Tate's old house to turn into a recording studio. Kind of shitty in retrospect right. to yeah. do, but... And then have a song called, like, Pig from... that. You know, whatever. Yeah. Okay. But the song Piggies is pretty creepy on its own because it's harpsichord and is it Harrison singing through Piggies? I'm pretty sure it is. I think so, yeah. Um, it's a pretty cool song. Like if you take the weird shit out of it, like if you take the Manson aspect out, it's a pretty neat little like ditty. It's Animal Farm, you know, it's that whole thing. Right. But yeah, uh, I don't know. My favorite songs on it, and it's probably been the same from being a kid to like, an adult, I still have the same favorites. Uh, Sexy Sadie, I will always love that song because it's, I, I don't know, I just love that one. I think it's amazing. Happiness is a Warm Gun, always one of my favorites just because it's so weird and has so many changes in it. Yeah. It was one of the first time I'd, I'd ever heard a song change in so many different ways throughout the song. Like the song's like a mini opera in itself. Like right, it, yeah. It goes through like it, a beginning slow phase and then it gets rocking and has like the bluesy bit and then it goes into like this prog rock bit and then it just ends on the on like a doo-wop thing it's there's so many changes throughout that song and then um you know i never really got why my guitar gently weeps i never understood why people liked it so much i still really don't yeah i don't know and and that's the one you really hear that a lot on the radio i mean that's all the time you know Clapton would play it and like yeah 
Well, he played. Didn't he, he play? Yeah, he's on the yeah. album, I believe, because, you know, he was banging George's woman right. at the time. Yeah. <laughs> Which is since, a terrible thing. Since I'm here and all, let me yeah, cut a track. That's absolutely Or terrible. while I'm here. Um, I still... I still like Rocky Raccoon. I That was always one of my favorites. I know that's probably a divisive opinion. Yeah. But that's... really, I'm going to be completely honest and say that there's only maybe three songs on here that I just could say, like, throw yeah. out. One of them is going to be Bungalow Bill. Never liked it. Never understood no. it. Continuing story of Bungalow Bill never made any sense. I think they just got too high and recorded it. Um Martha, my dear, is like Paul McCartney at his most Paul McCartneyous. You know, McCartney two, exactly. <laughs> it's a lot of these sound like Wings songs, don't they? Uh, like a um, little bit, yes. Um, uh, the I know the Martha, my dear, definitely sounds like a Wings song. Um, There's one that I really don't understand. That's everybody's got something to hide except for me on Monkey. I don't understand. I'll never understand that one. But I do like the song. I think the music's pretty cool. Like it's yeah. it's a jam. Um, I'm so tired. Like I like it, but it puts you to sleep. But, the damn song puts you to well, sleep, and it's called "I'm So Tired." Yeah. You basically you're looking at. This could be a great album, single album. Yeah. You know? I, I like mean, Cry Baby Cry a lot. That's a good that's a good jam. I don't know, I like that one. At that point I think I've checked out. Honey Pie is so McCartney. Oh yeah. Jesus Christ. It is so McCartney. I mean, you could uh back in the USSR, Dear Prudence. You'd have to put While My Guitar Gently Weeps. Um, probably Happiness is a Warm Gun. Blackbird. Yeah. Your Blues. Your Blues has got to be on there. That's a jam. Oh, man. Uh, Mother Nature's Son. Sexy Sadie. Helter Skelter. Oh, shit. We didn't even say Helter Skelter. That's... And The Revolution One. There's 10 songs. Yeah. Five on each side. You're looking at a five-star album. Yeah. But... If they just released it as a single album, it would not have the impact it it yeah. had. But you know, so, I, I wonder if it's because they they experimented so much with uh, Sergeant Pepper's, and it works so well in Sergeant Pepper's. I wonder if they thought they could do it again for White Album and make it work. I guess, or did they all just say, "Hey, I have these songs, and we're going to record my songs"? Okay, well, I mean, well, they, yeah. But, you know, Let It Be and Abbey Road, they didn't really do that. They're yeah. fleshed out songs on there. There's no little, there's no Wild Honey Pie on either one no. of those albums. Yeah. This was the, the ego album for all of them. It's it's their Kiss for four faces. Right. Like it's the. <laughs> God, if Kiss just would have put that into a double album instead of releasing. Or just released, uh, it was it Ace that had the best one? Uh yeah. Just released the I one. Throw it to Ace. Yeah. He had the better band. Yeah. Anton Fig, Will Lee. Yeah. I mean. But so so you don't go back and listen to White Album at all? Really? Not much. Selected songs. You know, when I listen to it, uh 
I guess it was last night. You know, it was real hit or miss for me. As a kid, I loved it. But I think... I think it's a perfect teenage album. It is. It's it's your... Like when... It's almost like when you go to high school that first day, somebody's at the door going, oh, here you go. Here's the White Album. Here's the Beatles' White Album. Here's the Doors' album. You know, there's certain... And then when you leave high school, you're like, yeah, thanks. Here's this back. Do you remember when you first... Well, you said your parents liked the Beatles, so... But did they have Rubber Soul or Revolver? I think Revolver was there. I know Let It Be was. I didn't come to those albums till way later, and I remember those being really huge. I didn't... um, Honestly, I was 20 or 19 before the Rubber Soul album really resonated with me. Yeah. Took a while. I was the same. It took a it while. was in high school and a kid had the bootleg CD for Candlestick Park. And he let me borrow it and from there I kind of branched into yeah. Rubber Soul and Revolver. Um but I those albums were really good. They're they're, they're really yeah, good albums. They're really good. And they're just as weird too like, you know, within you without you all those Yeah. All those songs are really weird songs. Did I don't feel like Harrison had much of much space on the White Album. I didn't feel him branching out too much on there. There's not a whole lot of like, you know, East Indian influence and stuff on there. No, no, not at all. Which was when he was, you know, he he was going through that phase where tablas and sitars and all all those things were the cool the cool thing. Yeah. I mean, we can probably thank him for a lot of like world music influence i'm sure yeah and actually bringing it to the forefront yeah you know rave yeah all that yeah didn't didn't they have ravi shankar on some sessions Mm -hmm. yep so how do you feel about let it be in abbey road do you think they could just be one album you could split those and make one album they probably could have i love them both honestly the older i got the more i gravitated to them and enjoyed them yeah. Abbey Road seems a little excessive at times. Let it be. You can tell it's the last leg. Yeah. But it's got some really strong points on it. Is Dig a Pony on Let It Be? Yeah. yeah. I think so. I've got a feeling. Yeah. I mean, that's some that's some jam. Yeah. You know? And there's so many like outtakes from those sessions too of them trying those songs yeah. out because they weren't getting along at all and they had the cameras in their face all the right. time. And but some of that stuff sounded like they were having fun. Mm-hmm. It's almost like if it was like y'all get out of here, everybody, wives, girlfriends, yeah. camera, whatever, and let's jam. There's a million takes of I've got a feeling. Yeah, like they tried that out a gajillion times and come together. They tried that out a bunch too. Yeah. Um. What was I gonna I was gonna bring up something else about the White Album. Had John Lennon already started his solo stuff during the White Album? Hmm. I feel like he had. I want to think honestly. he already because that's when the whole separation started. The only one that waited till they were broke up was McCartney, right? The other guys yeah. had done solo work. Maybe I Ringo think so, happened, or started. But... Yeah. Yeah, I don't think Ringo had started an all-star band yet. 
<laughs> but like White Album, no. White Album feels pretty McCartney heavy though. Yeah. Oh, I know what I was gonna bring up. Yeah. So Rolling Stones' Rock and Roll Circus kind of yeah. coincides to the White Album. Somewhat. Yeah. Because John brought him and Yoko onto Rock and Roll Circus. Right. But the Beatles weren't on it. And Rock and Roll Circus yeah. was like uh, an amalgamation of all of the like rock acts of the time. Um, the Stones had just put out um, Symphony for the Devil was on Goat's Head Soup. No, 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 no. It was on Beggar's Banquet. So they just put out Beggar's yeah. Banquet. Or were getting ready to put out Beggar's Banquet, yeah. one of the two. Goat's was 74, something like that. That was Angie, wasn't it? Goat's yeah. Head Soup, okay. Yeah. So... So they were getting ready to put out Beggar's Banquet or had already put it out. And they brought Lennon and Yoko onto and Rock Clapton. and Roll Circus. Wouldn't Clapton? Yeah, because they had the Dirty Mac was yeah. the band. And they did a hell of a rendition of Your Blues. Yes. Like a, a Who fucking... Who the fuck invited Jethro Tull, though? You know, I dig Jethro <laughs> Tull on there, though. I don't love Jethro Tull on anything yeah, else, really. I don't either. Because they do, uh, he does a song for Jeffrey or something like that. Yeah. But it's a jam, man. It's a real jam. There's like some harmonica and stuff on it. I should go back and listen to it. Taj Mahal's on there. Now Taj, yeah. And I think like um, the Stones were really instrumental in bringing Taj to the forefront for a lot of people. Um, Taj, the Who were on there. They did uh, right. a quick yeah. one while he is away. The yep. full medley, yeah, so amazing. They were they were hot shit at the time, top of they their were. game. They were. They were on the Tommy album. They were still top of the game. Yeah, or they might have not even put out Tommy yet. It might have been right before Tommy because Rock and Roll Circus is sixty nine. Right. Yeah. I'm not sure if Tommy was. You know, that'd be a great timeline to do of whose albums were out. Then. Everybody was on fire, man. You know, because you know. The Dirty Mac were, it was the Dirty Mac was a make believe band of John Lennon, Eric Clapton, Keith Richards, uh, who's the drummer? Uh, what's his name? Drums for the Stones. Uh, Charlie. Charlie. Charlie was a drummer. Shit, no, might have been Mitch Mitchell playing drums. Yeah. Somebody like that was playing drums. I was thinking it wasn't Charlie, but I don't. Um, know. I think Wyman might have been on bass. Probably. Um. And like Clapton was kind of floating. What yeah. cream was gone? Well, and he was kind of getting into some drug years and stuff too. He yeah. was starting to get a little, little wigged out. Yeah. Uh, but Lennon sings on it with with Dirty Mac. It's so good. It's so good. It's worth watching the whole thing just to watch that performance. Yeah. I mean, they're all drugged out. They're all doing mushrooms or LSD or whatever. So they're all completely. It out was of their like goal. it was a lock in. Basically, yeah. I mean, you know, they're all in costume. It's supposed to be like an actual like circus. So there's midgets and there's performances with like high wire acts, and and like uh, Mick Jagger was like the ringleader. So he <laughs> was announcing course. it. Yeah, of course. <laughs> but you know, the Stones came out and did Jumping Jack Flash. They did Parachute Woman. They Ooh, did good uh, tune too. And then they did uh, Sympathy for the Devil. And it's the most electric version of Sympathy for the Devil that I think's ever been yeah. recorded. Because, you know, like Jagger basically goes under a trance and like rips his shirt off towards the end when he's screaming, What's my name? And he's got a giant tattoo of Satan all down his back. Do you remember? Have you ever seen that? 
It's been a long time. It is the most insane thing I've ever seen. And like, you know, everybody's going crazy. He's rolling on the floor and just screaming on the mic. And then after like everything just completely calms down, the stones and everybody sits together and they're all fucking stoned. <laughs> and they sing Salt of the Earth at yeah. the very end oh, together. Oh, that's awesome it's, too. I love that so much. Yeah. That was a, I got that CD not long after, you know, going into Zeppelin and this, I had Hot Rocks, of course. Yeah. And like I went through a huge, I went through the phase of, all of our current music sucks. All the old music was great. And I went through the phase of like, I got to get all the Stones. I got to get all Zeppelin. Was I that the 90s? Yeah. Yeah. Well, the music did suck then. I didn't suck. <laughs> Retrospectively, I feel like I liked a lot more no, of it than I did. I know. That's it was just, just me. It just wasn't. And there still, I think, is something special about this time period of like, you know, 65 to 75. That time period oh, is really man. special. Crazy. And I don't know Crazy what it was stuff. to make so much good stuff come out during that yeah. time period, but it's just a really special time. Yeah, true. And I feel like the White Album is a an absolute part of that, as is Sgt. Yeah. Pepper's, as is every Beatles album. There's not a bad Beatles album. Yeah, Magical Mystery Tour. Kind oh, of, we can put that yeah. to the side. We're not going to talk about that one. I but mean, yeah. Outside of that, there's not really... Yeah, true. And their, their short career... Was I Yellow mean, Submarine a proper album? I hope not. It was a soundtrack. It was yeah. a proper album. Yeah. But Magical Mystery is mostly like George Martin string arrangements and shit, isn't it? Yeah. So, yeah. Well, and you think about it, this the White Album came out in 68. They started in 64. <laughs> and that's the other insane part. In four years' time. And that was even after... They did. I guess Sergeant you could Peppers. say sixty-two because Cavern Club and shit. I think is like sixty-one, well, sixty-two. When the first album come out, I don't want to say it's like sixty-three, sixty-four, yeah. maybe. Say maybe four-ish years, four to five years for them to go from "I Want to Hold Your Hand" to "Helter Skelter." Yeah. Or you know, or not even "I Want to Hold Your Hand" to. Mother Nature's Son, something, you know, it's like <laughs> they basically in in that yeah. amount of time grew into, you know, they figured out how to do the bubblegum stuff. Yeah. What they needed to do. And then imagine if they could play this stuff live on tour. And it really wasn't. It, your blues yeah, oh, live I know. I know. on stage. But they had no, there was no PA. There was no. The Beach Boys kind of went through a similar process because they were doing, you know, pet sounds and smile and everything yeah. like that. I know you're not as big of a fan of that, but the weirdness on like Smiley Smile or the Smile right. Sessions. Yeah. The weirdness on that kind of is even a little bit more weirder than the White Album. And they went from. Surfing USA to right. to True. like yeah to vegetables, you know, <laughs> yeah. or heroes and villains. Yeah, like you. Other than the the reason those voices sound so similar, it'd be hard to take someone who'd never heard any of that and stick uh, Surfing USA and heroes and villains next to them and say it's the same band. Right. Yeah. The same with the Beatles. It'd yeah. be hard to stick. I want to hold your hand and Helter Skelter. Mm-hmm. I'd say it's the same band. Yeah. What would you do for the Stones? 
Um, they were they were always they were always a little edge, man. The edgier, you know, they didn't really do too much bubblegum stuff. I tell you what, and we'll get we'll the Stones albums the Stones. later. We have to. We'll, yeah. We're going to go through a lot of Stones albums. Yeah. But Stones are a great pub. Band. Oh, they are the pub band. Like we they're the original a, pub band. Might have to get a bottle of Rebel Yell for Keith <laughs> on that one. <laughs> but like the thing that blew my mind with the Stones for the first time, like I had Hot Rocks, I had some of their older stuff. Like I bought Sticky Fingers, I bought all those yeah. later ones. My cousin gifted me for I think Christmas or birthday one year the singles collection, the early oh, singles yeah. collection. It was like eight CDs, maybe. So good. Might well, have been four. Oh, okay. No, I'm sorry. I'm thinking of. It was a box set. The the three CD set, the first box set that came out, which was a black and white cover. This was like the London singles or something. It yeah, like a, it was a box set. Is that the same one we talked yeah. about? The same one. I thought it was like four CDs, maybe. It's like three or four. Okay, maybe it's four. Yeah. Maybe four. I said it's a good eight, one. It's, it's probably that was four. when box sets were first. Co- Who let the yeah. dog in the pub again? <laughs> it's like the second time. But uh, it um that was one of the first box sets like that came out. Yeah, because had a huge book. Had a huge uh-huh. book. Um, but I popped that first CD in. I was like, "Who the fuck is this? Yeah, I'm a king bee. Who is right. this? Or Little Red Rooster? Or, yeah, like what?" Like Memphis, they're doing Memphis. Like I didn't around and around, round and round, and I loved it. Oh, it's great! I was like, why did they ever change? This is so good. Yeah, but, but they got so much better. Though. Oh, they did. They did. And then you start getting to like the third or fourth CD, and then you start getting into like Play with Fire, mm-hmm. and you start getting into like the the real shift into their own sound. Yeah, and that's that's when. Oh yeah. Like that's when I really started getting because I think that maybe the fourth CD gets to like the psychedelic stuff like Have You Seen yeah. Your Mother and all and, that uh, Rainbow and she's, she's like a, a rainbow, rainbow yeah Child uh, Two Thousand Light Years from Home Child of Time or that's Deep Purple I think yeah what's that one it's Child in Time I don't know there's but there was just so much early stuff that the U S never really got it no it mostly just happened. In London, we, the U.S. really didn't get it till time. Times on my side, yeah. For satisfaction, which is great. Mother's little helper, yeah. Lady Jane, yeah. It's good stuff. So we'll in a future podcast we'll yes. I think we should almost do like a A B with uh, with a Beatles album and a Stones album, yeah. Because that was they were duking it out, so we should just A B that, yeah. All right, that would be fun. I love ending a Beatles podcast with the Stones. <laughs> Cheers. <laughs> End every Beatles podcast with the Stones. <laughs>